I, I still think we can do it a little bit better. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that again. And from this side over here, you repeat it. I'm going to do it one time. And then I'm going to do it the second time. And from this aisle over here. And, 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 and I'm going to judge which, which is a lie. Okay, here we go. You're the first. Okay. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Oh, it's, it's, it's equal. I mean, it's, it's balanced. It's, it's just there. Uh, you know, one of these days, we're not going to have to wear these masks, I hope. <laughs> but what I want to do, and we've got just a, a few minutes to do it. Uh, it is so good to see you here this morning. It really is good to have some guests with us and visitors with us. And I see people I haven't seen in, in a good while. And uh, what I'm going to do is take just a moment, have you to stand. And you, whatever you want to do, if you want to sit there with your mask on, if you want to put your mask on, uh, if you don't, what is this called? Fist bump? Pump or bump? Is it bump or pump? With a P? Or B. Okay. I, I'll get James Michael to come and he knows exactly to teach us how to do it. But whatever you would like to do, really, listen, I want you to greet someone. If you haven't seen them in a good while, if you just want to nod to them, do that. Would you stand? Everyone stand with us, please. One more time. Everybody together. Christ is risen. Woo! Hallelujah. Now let's take a few moments and uh, turn to a neighbor, friend, and just, if you want, just nod to them, give them a fist bump or whatever. He is Lord, He is Lord, He has risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Sing it out, every knee shall bow. 
Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is. I want you to sing it out. He is Lord. Everyone sing it. He is Lord. He is Lord. Hallelujah. He has risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every Oh, that's pretty. Every time that Jesus Christ, Christ. I want you to lift your voice and tell him, you are Lord. Sing it that way. You are Lord today. You are Oh, yes, you are Lord. You are Lord. You have and you That Jesus Christ. Joy, thank you, but stay there if you would for just a moment. She had no idea I was going to do this, and she's just doing that on the fly. Isn't it great to have that kind of talent? I feel like singing again, but let me tell you what's going to happen this morning in this service, and I believe this. The Lord woke me up this morning at 3 o'clock. And he said, those in the service that was struggling with the spirit of heaviness and discouragement that he was going to touch your life. Let me say that again, and I believe this with all of my heart. Some are struggling with the spirit of heaviness. And some are struggling, and they're about the same thing, really, with discouragement. I think that's the enemy. I think that's the devil's trump card is discouragement. Because if he can get his people discouraged, or God's people discouraged, he can really work on them. So I want you to sing it with me one more time. As you express your love, express his lordship. Love him in the song. You might say, preacher, I can't sing. That's okay. Just honor the Lord here this morning as you sing it to him. Here we go. He is Lord. Lift your voice. He is Lord. He has risen.
Sing it out. Every knee. That Jesus Christ is. Father, your presence is in this place today. The Holy Spirit is doing a work, and he will continue to do a work throughout this service. Touch every man, every woman, every young person. Touch, dear God, those today that are heavy laden. Minister strength, lift them up, and bless Bring healing and comfort and peace. In Christ's name, amen. Would you give Joy a good hand? Thank her for one hand. I want to read, and some of us already already been read. It's good sometimes to be repetitious. Not redundant, but repetitious. Redundancy is repetition unnecessarily. And I want to read from the book of John, chapter 1, read verses 1 through 8. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. What a, what a race. What a race. So John outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. That's John. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Now let's read Matthew chapter 28, two verses. Matthew 28. One and two. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And there was another woman. There were actually three of them, Salami. It was the other woman that came. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and, came and rolled back the stone from the door sat on it. I like that. I don't know what all he, I don't think he was filing his fingernails. I don't know what he was doing sitting on that rock. But I'll tell you what, I think what he was saying that it's finished. It's done. Now they didn't roll the stone or he didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. 
Jesus had already gotten out. He rolled the stone away so Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, Peter, John, you and I could go in. That's the reason he rolled the stone away. Look, if you will, the introduction. By the way, if you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I want you to have one. It'll make me feel better. I work very hard to prepare them, and if you act like you're reading it, or it just will. No, I want you to really have an outline. So it's a whole lot easier to remember what you read than what you hear. The introduction, the resurrection, is more than just an event that happened once in history. It's the source of the power you can experience in your own life. Somebody say amen. Every day, the same resurrection power that brought Jesus from death to life is available to you. And if you tap into it, and I'll say here, activate it, if you tap into it, you'll see an amazing transformation in your life. Three things I want you to notice. Number one, the miracles of the resurrection, the earthquake. Now, there was an earthquake when Jesus breathed his lap on the cross. Now, here is another earthquake. Earth-shaking, earth-moving happened at the resurrection. The stone was removed weighed tons. In fact, Mary and Magdalene and Salami were on their way with their spices to anoint the body of Jesus and they were wondering who is going to roll the stone away. They knew that the stone covered the mouth of the tomb and they were wondering. But the stone was removed and rolled away. Notice, if you will, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. We'll talk about that. Little Philip, born with Down syndrome, attended a third grade Sunday school class with several eight-year-old boys and girls. Typical of that age, the children did not readily accept Philip with his differences. According to an article in Leadership Magazine, but because of a creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of the group, though not fully. The Sunday after Easter, the teacher brought legs, pantyhose containers, the kind that looked like large eggs. Each receiving one, the children were told to go outside on that lovely spring day, find some symbol for new life, and put it in the egg-like container. Back in the classroom, they would share their new life symbols open in the containers one by one in surprise fashion. After running about the church property in wild confusion, the students returned to the classroom and placed the containers on the table. Surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them one by one after each one, whether a flower, a butterfly, a leaf, the class would ooh and ah. Then one was open, revealing nothing inside. The children exclaimed, that's stupid, that's not fair. Someone did not do their assignment. 
Philip spoke up. That's mine. Philip, you don't do ever anything right, the student retorted. There's nothing there. I didn't so do it, Philip insisted. I did so do it. It's empty. The tomb was empty. Silence followed. From then on, Philip became a full member of the class. He died not long afterward from an affection most normal children would have shrugged off. At the funeral, this class of eight-year-olds marched up to the altar, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher each to lay on it an empty pantyhose egg. Aren't you glad the tomb was empty? The tomb was empty. I, uh, I wonder why all this commotion about the cloths. Um, they went in and they saw the wrappings, the swaddlings that they had wrapped. Uh, in fact, it was uh, Joseph or Arimathea and Nicodemus that buried the body of Jesus. They had 75 pounds of oil, perfume, ointment, 75 pounds. There was one incident in the Bible where a woman came and anointed Jesus and the fragrance was all over the house. It was one pound. Someone said we could have sold that and had a year's earnings. So 75 pounds would have been a life of earnings. They took those stripes or strips and they doused them in that... Uh, in, in that ointment. And then they wrapped the body of Jesus. Wrapped it. And wrapped it. And wrapped it. A few hours later that would have become hardened. And it would become a shell. A cocoon. Mind you. Around the body of Jesus. And. When Peter and John went in that tomb, they saw, and, and if, you, if, if, you, if you read the, the original, they saw that wrappings that was still there, lying there, the Bible says, and it meant in its original state. So hardened as it was, Jesus Christ had come out of that cocoon and left it just like it was lying there. Wow. But that was not all. They would take, when they buried someone, a handkerchief or cloth, and they would take it from the chin to the crown of the head so the mouth would not come open. And that handkerchief, that cloth that they had used for Jesus' head was lying there, not with the strips, by itself, and it was folded. Can you imagine the first act of Jesus Christ when he rose from that grave, when he woke up? I, wouldn't you like to have been there when, when he opened his eyes? 
Wow. I don't know, but there might have been a smile on his face. <laughs> he rose out of that grave alive. And Revelation tells us that he said, I am he that was dead, but yet I am alive. I don't know what happened. I don't know what all went on. But maybe he comes out and he looks over at the archangel Gabriel. Good morning, Gabriel. How you doing this great morning? He looks over on the other side and there's the archangel Michael. And he says, good morning, Michael. How are you doing? I am he that was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Hallelujah. But the napkin was folded. Now, I don't know that it symbolizes anything, but somehow I, I think it might symbolize the Passover celebration. Let me tell you about the Passover celebration. I hope you can hear me. I'm going to step away from the mic. The host of the house during the Passover celebration would take matzah bread, just like this, and he would break it in two, just like that. And he would place that bread on a cloth, and he would fold it, and he would fold it, and he would fold it, and he would fold it. What would he do with that bread? He would take that bread somewhere in the house and hide it. They would be gone. They would do their daily chores or whatever. But coming back to celebrate the Passover, they would eat. There's a lot of eating going on during the Passover. They would rejoice. And then it came time. And the host would say, kids, this was the children's responsibility. Go find the bread. And boy, they would search all over that house looking for that unleavened bread that was broken in place in that folding cloth. And they would find it. You know, we, 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 we hunt for Easter eggs. They hunted for the broken bread. And I don't doubt that somehow that symbolized that great Passover celebration. How many of you know his body was broken for us? How many of you know he went to the, to the cross for us? Jesus Christ, he gave his life, but the grave, as someone says, could not hold him. Somebody say amen. amen. So you have the earthquake, the stone removed, the empty tomb, and the linen and the face cloth. Notice number two, the significance of the resurrection. Listen to me. What we've done this morning and what churches by the thousands will do all over the world, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely wonderful. Wearing the beautiful clothes and, and laughing and rejoicing and singing and worshiping God. It's great. But what to us and for us 
is the significance of this Easter day. Notice, first of all, it is the foundation of the Christian faith. If you get an opportunity this week, I wish you'd read the first, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It talks about the resurrection. And Paul is saying there, if it was not for the resurrection, we wouldn't have a message. We couldn't sing these songs. We couldn't preach a sermon. We'd have no hope in this world. That 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. The resurrection is the capstone of Christianity. It dealt a crushing blow to the adversary of all men, which is Satan. Colossians, Paul says, having disarmed principalities and powers, <clears throat> he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It is the cross. There had to be a cross before the resurrection. The resurrection is a badge of authority for the believer. Now listen, this is very important that we understand what the resurrection means to us today. The badge of authority. And I then got way ahead of myself. Let's back up punt, if you will. <laughs> I want to get the, that's, that's my most important part right there. And I want you to understand that part. It's great. It's the central truth of the gospel. They preached it. If you read the book of Acts, I hope you read the book of Acts. It's the early church's happenings. It's what this church, other churches, our churches need to be today like the early church. And you can find in Acts chapter 2, it says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands. This is Peter telling the people, you have crucified and put to death. Verse 24 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Somebody say amen. That's, they preached it. They hardly ever preached a message in the book of Acts that they didn't talk about the resurrection. It is important that the church understand the resurrection. It is important that the church live out the resurrection. Uh, and then it provides mankind with a living hope. Brother Larry talked about hope this morning. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a what? Living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I say something that's very important this morning? This world is starving for hope. When you read uh, Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes, read that whole book. It talks about vanity of vanities. No hope. But it's talking about a life without God. There is hope. Can you say amen? To you, in other words... Uh, Solomon is, is saying that uh, you cannot have hope 
without having God. And that's what the world is trying to do. They're trying to have hope without a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no hope in religion. There is no hope in pleasure. There is no hope in money. There is no hope in relationships. It all starts with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And men and women are seeking and hoping that they can find that hope. But the only way they can is through that relationship. The miracles are the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then living in the resurrection power. The resurrection power is living in the believer. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul says... Follow me, stay with me. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Let me tell you what the living says there. To experience the mighty power that brought him back to life. We've talked about the earthquake. We've talked about this great miracle. We've talked about the stone being rolled. Think about the power it took to raise Jesus Christ back to life again. Paul is saying here that same power that raised Jesus from the dead can live, will live in the saint of God today. Amen? It's important that we understand that. Ephesians chapter 1, look at it. Verses 19 through 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Let me read again, if you allow me, the living Bible there, uh, living Bible. I pray that you will begin to understand Paul says, <coughs> how the incredibly great power is to help those who have believed in him. It is that same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I, I, I trust that we can glimpse that and get, get some kind of idea of this great power. But if the spirit of him, Romans, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Every day, it's an everyday walk. It's a lifestyle that the church, we wanna, we wanna see people saved. We want to see people delivered from alcohol and drugs and immorality. We want to see our neighbors saved, communities saved, our nation saved. It is going to take the resurrection power to change people's lives. Amen? Amen. The resurrection power is given through the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus is about to go back to the Father. But he's with his disciples in this 8th verse. He says to those disciples, you will receive power 
after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Once you receive the Spirit of God, you will receive power. And we just read that in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. But we must look at number 4. We must receive it and we must activate this power. You say, Brother Don, how do we do that? We do that by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whoa. We do that by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be you what? Filled with the Spirit. There is a filling, a baptism, an, an immersion into the Holy Spirit. Just like you're baptized in water, there is a baptism into the Spirit of God. Look at number five. There are five recorded instances of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the, books of, in the book of Acts. And these are, and we go through those on your paper. And these verses in this book, the book of Acts, uh, cover a period of 20 years. Some people teach that you just received Acts 2 and 1. And two, uh, uh, as the early church, but it stopped after the early church. It did not. It did not. It continued on. This was for 20 years. I want to give you one incident. Not what pastor says. Not what our, just our theology here at this church is. Not what you've heard taught or not taught. I want to give you one incident. Look at, if you will, uh, Acts Chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. Stay with me. And this is Paul at Ephesus, when he was at Ephesus. And it happened while <clears throat> Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding somewhat disciples. They were disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. And you could go to all of these five different incidents in the scripture. They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit or not. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? You were baptized into what? So they said to him, into John's baptism. What was John's baptism? Baptized in water. John was, he was baptizing people in water. But you know what? He didn't baptize them until they brought forth fruit. Until they, they knew that they were born again. Changed lives. But it was John's baptism. Look at verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul, this is the only time it's recorded in the book of Acts. It's the only time. Paul rebaptized them in water. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
Now the men were about 12 in all. There is no question. And the church needs to hear this. Amen? Wow. We need to understand this. We need to live this. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me say something that's very important. Every believer here, every believer, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you receive the Spirit of God. If you accepted Christ, if you're born again, the Spirit of God dwells in you. He doesn't go out and come in, go out and come in. He's in you. But what this is talking about, it is an experience. And, and, and Jesus said that. The Holy, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he said, out of your belly or out of your innermost being shall flow the rivers. River, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. So when you're saved, when you receive Christ, you receive the Spirit. When you're baptized, immersed in him, he flows out. God gives you the baptism to enjoy the workings of the Lord. And that's what the church needs. Thank you, Brother Dan. You're right in here with me. You're, you're, that's good. How many of you know that's what the church needs? We need to be able to function in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, we must receive. We must receive. And that's what he said over and over again. And not only must we receive the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, we must activate that. We must live in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. It is important that we live in the baptism, the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit, the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. If you have the Spirit of God, that power, that anointing, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, He lives in you. Now, let's look at, and I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Then He called His twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. You say, but pastor, that was the 12. Yes. But can I read another verse? Can I, can I read one more verse to you? Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know who this is to? And who this was for? The 70. The 70. It was for the 12. It was for the 70. It was for all of those 500 people that saw Jesus Christ after he was raised from the dead. It was for uh, centuries down. It's for the church today. Amen. It is for us today, and it's time for the church. I don't care if you're a Methodist, 
Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal. I don't care. If you are a believer, you need to walk in the power of the resurrection. That's a good place to clap. I think that's a good place to clap. Yes, getting up early Sunday morning and being in church and hearing the singing and the preaching, all of this is important. Celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's important. But what are we going to do after Easter? What are we going to do when we get home? What are we going to do when we're faced with trials? What are we going to do with demons and devils of hell? Amen? We've got a world that's sinking in a cesspool of immorality. We've got people bound, so bound, they need to be set free. We need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm not going to do that here today. But I've got something written by June Evans. And I want to give every person one. If you've yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, preacher, you sure you know the mind of Christ on Easter Sunday morning? Talking about that? I think I do. If you would like to receive one, the ushers have them. Come on up, brethren. Lift your hand. It's very easy reading. Very easy reading. It helps you to understand as they play just a little bit of music. Whatever. And um, come up to the front and go back to the back, if you will, brethren. And please raise your hand. I won't, I'd like to see about 25 or 30 of you take this book. hands. Come on. <clears throat> Give you an understanding.
ask me how I know he lives. Sing it. Beautiful song, sing it. Lift up your voice and sing. Hallelujah. The hope. The help. Ring it out. Here we go. Sing it. He lives. He lives. He walks with me. And he talks with me. Here we go. He lives with me. Bow your heads, please, Father. We're so thankful this morning for the resurrection. We're so thankful, Lord, it provides for us the mechanism, the means whereby that we can walk in this world and live a holy and clean life. Not through our own abilities, but because you provided that for us. We thank you, Lord, that that same power is available to the church. Hallelujah. I want to say that again. That same power is available to the church. And God, I pray that we would not sleep and slumber. But God, that our eyes would be open, that we could really, really see. Lord Paul said that I might know him. Lord, he was talking about an experimental knowledge that I might know Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You may have known Christ, you may know him. But somehow there's a struggle in your life. Maybe you're battling something. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it is discouragement. It could be even oppression or depression. Whatever. I'm here to tell you that the power of God is in this place. And that same power will touch your life. You're here today. You need a prayer. I won't embarrass you. I will not embarrass you. 
you lift that hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. That's good. God bless you. Other others, come on, put up the hand. God bless you. Hallelujah. Yes, God bless you. They're raising them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anyone else? Pastor? Would you and the church join with me concerning this battle that's going on in my life? Maybe you once know the Lord, but you've been cold. You've become cold and indifferent. You've lost your first love, and you struggle to get that peace back. God's mercy is still extended to you. He still loves you. But pastor, would you pray that I can have that, that peace that hope, that joy restored. Slip up that hand. Are there others? Just slip them up. God bless you. God bless you. I want to sing that again. And I'm going to ask you to come and stand around there. We, we built this church and we put the pews where we could have a nice, nice, big altar space. Now you might want to stay in your seat and that's fine. We pray for you there. But as we sing this song, the first verse in the chorus once again, would you step out in the aisle with your mask on and come and stand around the altar with us? Come on. Feel free, feel free.
folks are being ministered to. You can receive from the Lord if you would feel like coming. Because he lives, I confess tomorrow. Because he lives, oh fear is gone. Because I know. Time because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because all fear is gone. Because I know. Somebody is a new grandparent. How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and joy that he gives. But The calm assurance that I shall face uncertain days because He lives. Now sing it out. Because He lives. Because. Hallelujah. God's touched you today. If you, if you activated that 
uh, moving of the Spirit in your life. He's touched you today. I believe he's touched many of you. Maybe you, many that didn't come to the altar, but God touched your life today. If you're here today, you didn't know Christ as your personal Savior, but somehow you sort of allowed him to put his arms around you. Maybe you prayed and the Lord touched you. I'll be up front for a little while. Feel free to come. I've got a book I want to give to you, whatever new convert you should know. I want you to take this book that you took. We've got plenty of them, folks. It is one of the best books on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to see a church today that's like the early church. That's why I preach what I preached, because I want to see a church like the early church. Mitchell Britt, it's so good to see you today. It's an honor to have that man's preached all over the world. He's ministered to thousands and thousands of people. He's a preacher. He's a preacher's preacher. He can sing, and he sure enough can play that guitar. Amen. It's good to see you. Good to have you with us. Good to have all of you with us today. Thank you for coming. If you'll come back again, I'll try not to cough during the preaching, okay? (laughs) Father, we love you today. Keep us in your care. Bless, dear God, as we leave here, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.